0: As I was sitting worshiping the Lord, I believe I heard the Holy Spirit say this thing to share with you. And it's this. Remind them that I took care of them. Remind them that I took care of them. when fears began to emerge. The darkness began to overshadow the land. And fear tried to get in. Tell my people, because they chose faith, they found a secret place in me. And tell them that secret place is be, will be a place that they'll go to time and again in the days ahead. Because the shaking that has started to shake this nation, the nations of the world will not stop. I will continue to shake, saith the Lord, in different ways. And my purpose is not to punish. My purpose is not to destroy. My purpose is to cause many to come to my son, Jesus Christ. My purpose is to cause many to believe that what they have trusted in will not take them till tomorrow. Their trust in the stock market, their trust in their own government, their trust in their own ability to take care of themselves is not enough, but the word of the Lord to you is, I am enough. I will take care of you. No one can shake you out of my hand. No one can rob you out of my hand, for you are mine, and you're going to be okay, says the Lord. Come on, give him a a good hand today. He is worthy of our praise. Oh, I've missed you. I miss being here. Listen, I I, I I watch the services at home, but it's just not the same being in the house with God's people, is it? It is just no way. Hey, how about an air hug today? Come on now, give me an air hug today. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Ladies, I can't hug that way. Let me hug you like this. Praise the Lord. God bless you. Tell your neighbor that you are glad they're here, and you may be seated. Well, praise God. I think you look a little better than the last time I saw you. It has been a while, praise the Lord. Let me just say thanks for being here. I want to say thank you too for honoring our request for this whole social distancing thing. Uh, You know, I'm like you, I read stuff about it, and I wonder if any of the things they're trying to do are any help at all, but yet I'm doing my best as a pastor to support uh, our, our governor in Texas is a dedicated Christian man. And uh, he has valued the church, and uh, I don't want the church to be any source or place where viruses are easily contaminated or whatever the case may be. But I appreciate you going along with us for a season, and uh, pretty soon I think we'll be back to normal having kids' church and everything else. Because we're not having kids' church, our service is going to be about an hour. So uh, anyway, kids, I am glad you're here. I want all the kids that are here today, if you're under 12, I want you to say praise the Lord real loud. Come on, one more time. We, let's give those kids a big hand. We're glad that you're here with us today. Hey, turn your Bibles. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, today on the Jewish calendar, we are celebrating the day or the feast of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost historically was called the feast of harvest, it was the, called the day of first fruits, and it was celebrating their grain harvest. When the farmers would plant their crops and it would come in, they would give God thanks just like we do when we uh, eat lunch, we go to dinner, wherever we are. The first thing we do before we eat is we what? We say grace. We thank God. It is our thanksgiving for God's provision. But Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 changed. The emphasis ceased to be on the harvest of material grain and food, and it began to be on the harvest of souls, of people coming to Christ Christ. To read a verse or two, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, which we are celebrating this weekend, all the believers were in one place, and suddenly there was a sound. Now, let me remind you of this. This was shortly after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. The same Jews that killed Jesus were still there. Uh, These same early Christians were on a mission from God, just like Jesus had handed off the mission to them. And now he was going to give them this empowerment to do the mission. Uh, Let's see. uh, Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what does that mean? Just imagine a cup of water. Imagine that cup is a believer. That cup is filled with water uh, of the presence of the Lord when we're following Christ. But then take that, that jar of water and put it in a five-gallon bucket of water. There is an immersion. There is something different that happened to them when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened next in history accounts is supernatural. These people that were in that upper, upper room, when the Spirit of God fell upon them, they began to speak in a language they'd never learned. They didn't take Spanish one, two, three, but they could fluently speak Spanish. Uh, I can't speak German, but it's as if in this particular case, when the Spirit of God came on them, they could speak German. And, and the issue was, there were people that were in the crowd that were listening, it was a noisy experience. And it drew people and the people could understand the words they were saying and they were glorifying God. And the end result of this whole experience was 3,000 people made steps to Christ. So Pentecost became not just a celebration of the harvest of crops, but it became a celebration of the harvest of men and women coming to Christ Um, The day of Pentecost in Acts uh, was the beginning of what the Holy Spirit began to do historically. But what I want to suggest to you and what I hope my faith uh, that I can build your faith today is a belief that what the Holy Spirit did in days gone by, the Holy Spirit can do today. As I look at the book of Acts, I don't just look at it as a historical record, though it is. I look at the book of Acts as a model or a paradigm for church life. I have many dedicated Christians, believers, pastors that uh, are are my friends and co-laborers in ministry, but they look at the book of Acts as a history of what it was like then and that ceased and that's not what it's supposed to be like today. The only problem with that is there's no scriptures that support that position. Jesus Christ, when he decided to change the world, he didn't try to do it all himself. He recruited 12 guys, and he sent them out to do two things, to preach the word and to demonstrate the Spirit of God, the power of the Spirit, and multitudes would come to Christ. He first sent out 12, he sent out 70, they did the same thing. And then the the, the whole fabric or the pattern of the New Testament was these men and women fully committed to Christ on a mission from God found the Holy Spirit to help them enlarge God's kingdom. And this is what we're talking about today. I want to talk... I've entitled the message, The Power of Pentecost. And the specific thing that I want to do is I want to share with you three things that clearly in Scripture the Holy Spirit does for us today. And it is my hope that it will activate your faith and it will cause you to believe that what we read in the Bible could happen in our lives today. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, let's begin. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 16 and we begin with this question, what does the Holy Spirit want to do for us today? It's a big question. And I suggest the early churches are our model. Well, the first thing that all Christians would agree to is this. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal truth to us. Let me read the words of Jesus. It's John 16, verse 13. Jesus said, and interestingly enough, Jesus told his followers when he was on earth, it's better for you if I go away. And they were a bit shocked. And, of course, Jesus. they said, why? And Jesus said, in essence, well, look, I'm one one man, as it were, the God-man inhabiting a body. I can only be in one place at a time. But Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will come to all of you in a way that I've not yet done. It's kind of like oxygen in the air. There are O2 molecules throughout the planet. Well, Jesus was one person, yet the Holy Spirit's like that oxygen. He can be everywhere all the time. He can have an intimate relationship with believers, and his presence can be revealed when we gather as the church. Jesus said in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, and you say this with me, he will... See, I want you to say it. Guide you into all truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit will help me to sift through my feelings, what I hear on, this, on the news, what I've been taught in a secular school, even my desires sometimes. The Holy Spirit will filter through this and declare truth to me. Now, I'm going to give you a definition of truth. Uh, it's from Bible dictionaries. It's from, uh, it's from commentaries. And I've kind of massaged it a little bit to simplify it, to say this. Truth... Is simply the facts and realities of life that are centered in Jesus Christ in the Bible. Let me say it again truth are the facts and the realities of life that are centered in Jesus Christ in the Bible. The world we live in today doesn't believe in truth. Certainly, they don't believe in an absolute truth that applies to people of all ages and all times, but the Bible teaches so. The world tries to find truth through personal exploration. They try to find it through science. They try to find it through reasons, through psychology, through the majority, through experts. But truth is found, for, for, truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ. It is found for us in the scripture and it's revealed in the world. Uh, the world does not believe in truth, for example, about marriage. When you look in the Bible about marriage, the Bible teaches that marriage is the covenant commitment between a man and a woman. They'll leave mom and dad, they'll form a new family, and they'll have children. That's what a marriage and a family is. Our world has a different definition today. The world believes differently about gender. In our world, uh, the Bible teaches us that you're created male or female. But the world tells us that their, their reality is that you can create your own gender. And they literally give us dozens and dozens of ideas. Well, this is not truth. Uh, the origins of the universe. Uh, some believe that the, earth is, uh, the universe is uh, pre-existing and self-sustaining. Uh, others believe there was a big bang. Well, the Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth. See, so as we search for truth, the Holy Spirit will guide us in the process, but it's not just for theology, it's not just for, for facts, it is for living life and making decisions every day. Let me give you an illustration. We observed something terrible this week in America. We watched a police officer try to control a man and would not take his foot off his neck and the man died. And it has exploded across America. There's riots that are happening everywhere. And I want to suggest to you there's an absence of truth in what happened and what is happening around the world. Let me give you an example. What if, let's say I'm 20 years old um, and I'm enraged about what happened. And I'm enraged to the degree that I want revenge. I want vengeance. I want to get even. Someone hurt someone that I identify with, so I'm going to hurt them back. And that's the way that I feel and the music that I've listened to and the songs that I've listened to and the, and the people on the internet that I've listened to are fostering this hatred in me. They're fostering rage in me. They are telling me that revenge and vengeance are all okay. But to happen to be, let's say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. Well, let's say I'm 20 years old. I get in the car with my buddies. We're going to go out and do the town tonight. When I get in the car, I notice there's several guns that are there. I notice there's a can of gasoline. And I say, well, what's going up, man? And uh, what's going on? And they say, man, we're going to go shoot a cop today. We're going to go burn something down. We're going to get even. Well, it just happens that this young man was a Christian. I'm making this up. This is not a true story, but I'm going to tell you how truth works. This young man was a Christian. And he read in his Bible just that very morning from Romans chapter 12. And Romans 12 tells us that we shouldn't seek vengeance. Romans 12 tells us it's not our responsibility to avenge, but it is God's responsibility. And something clicks on his heart. He, he, he remembers and he begins to think these things as the Holy Spirit is bringing truth to his remembrance. It talks about returning, evil, returning good for evil. Don't return evil for evil. And he looks at his buddies and he said, you know, I can't go with you. And he says, take me home. You see, truth in a situation that was terrible can lead us in a right pathway. Now what we have is violence is erupting across the nation. Not only one person has been murdered. Now many people are being killed and violence is happening everywhere. None of which is rooted in the Bible. I cannot find in Jesus Christ advocating violence as a means to solve problems. If this same young boy was to go home and begin to seek God and he wants to do something about it, I believe the Holy Spirit will show us what we can do and what actions we can take, how to preserve justice in our society. Come on. I mean, the Bible teaches justice. How many know the evildoer is supposed to be punished in the Bible? How many know there is right and wrong? We do live in civil law. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to operate in all of this. So when I tell you that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into truth, I'm not just talking about a belief system. I'm not just talking about a theology. I'm talking about how to live everyday life and how to deal with the circumstances and problems that are around us. The Holy Spirit will guide us into truth. Come on, give the Lord a good good hand today. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16, this one excites me. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us supernaturally. Now, when you're going somewhere, how many know the first thing we do today, uh, years ago, uh, we used a map. How many actually still have a map in your car? Anybody? Anybody? You know what, you're going to laugh. We're all kind of a little older here that have a map. Uh, my mother's friend came to, uh, to visit her, and she was headed out to Wichita. And she dropped mom off at my house, and she said, I want to see a map. I just want to visually see where I'm going. I've got this stupid thing on my phone, but I don't always trust it. And I showed her a map, and I kind of, she said, well, now I know. I now have a good idea where I'm going. Um, well, when we seek guidance today, we just dial in the GPS, I want to suggest to you there is an inner guidance system. The Spirit of God that lives inside us wants to guide us supernaturally on our mission in life. Let me, let's read this together. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and Silas are traveling through the area of Phygeria and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in Asia at that time. Let me draw you a little map first. I, I forgot. I should have had one on the screen, but I forgot. So uh, let me help you out here. This is the Mediterranean Sea. Are you with me? This is Spain. This is Israel. And here's these guys. They're going up here preaching. What they want to do is they want to trend this away, which is toward India and Asia. But what the Holy Spirit's going to say is, I want you to go this way, which is west. Punch your neighbor and say, not bad geography there for a preacher. But anyway... So they're trying to go up, and they want to go through Nigeria and Galatia, but notice what it said: the Holy Spirit prevented them. Now how did he do that? Is it just possible that the same thing could happen today, that I was, I don't know what, planning my day, but the Holy Spirit prevented me from doing my shopping in the morning? Is it possible that the Holy Spirit could anticipate some evil? Now, how many know as a parents, we have to really wrestle with the Holy Spirit and our own fears for raising our kids, but what if your child was going to go somewhere and there was going to be danger, there was going to be an accident, there was going to be a wreck or something, wouldn't it be a cool thing if the Holy Spirit would warn you to protect your child? Sure it would. Wouldn't it be a cool thing for a business person, he's got several leads and he's not quite sure which one to go to, and who's he going to talk to first, wouldn't it be cool if the Holy Spirit could help you not waste as much time on people that aren't going to buy and lead you to the best sale of the day, wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Why well, don't you think about the Bible relevant to today in terms of how the Holy Spirit can guide us. Verse 7, they, uh, they, had, uh, let's see, uh, they headed north for Bithynia, but again the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Now, the Spirit of Jesus synonymous with the Holy Spirit. So here they want to take another direction, and again God says no. I don't know how he did that. Was it the still small voice inside? More than likely. Uh, It could have been circumstances. But somehow, and this is what I want you to know, somehow God guides us. Somehow when you're making decisions to expand your business, to hire an employee, to whatever it may be, the Holy Spirit wants to guide us. Well, uh, verse 8, instead they, we went on through Mycenae to Troas, and that night Paul had a vision. Now, a vision is like a movie picture in your mind, but in some cases it's communication from God. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, if we read that whole chapter, that in the last days the scripture said, I'm going to speak to my people. Young men will dream dreams. I'm sorry, young men will have visions, and old men will dream dreams supernatural communication that was promised. Well, Paul has a vision, and in his vision, a man from Macedonia is pleading with him, come over and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, concluding that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So this is supernatural God. You say, well, now that's pretty cool, Pastor. Well, let me tell you why it's really cool. As they keep going westward, You know what happens with the gospel? Churches are planted, and the gospel ultimately goes to Rome and to Italy and to Spain, and it makes a little jump across the Atlantic Ocean, and it ends up in America. Whereas if they'd have gone this way, it would have gone to India and it would have gone to Asia. It was strategic. It was not that God cares more about us because we're Americans. It was just simply in the mind and the timing of God, this is what God wanted to do. And I want to suggest to you that same thing is happening all the time around us. And there is something in me as I grow older. I just turned 63. I hope I have many more years of ministry. But something that, that is growing inside me is a desire for my life to have significance. I want to do something great for God. I want my life to matter for God. I, I, I don't want people to just say about me, boy, this was a good guy. I want to do something in this world that matters for all eternity. I'll tell you something, a little funny story. It inspired me yesterday. I was getting ready for service because I've gotten spoiled. Uh, by not having church, not preaching, preaching three times. It takes a little bit out of you. But uh, normally we were recording on Friday afternoon, and I'd come down for Friday for 30 minutes, nobody here but a cameraman and a camera, and off I'd go, and I'd have Saturday and Sunday, and I would watch a church live stream like you would. But anyway, uh, as we were starting to come back, uh, yesterday I said, honey, I'm going to rest this afternoon before church. So I'm sitting in my chair, and I, I was going to watch a little movie. It's called God's Not Dead. I'm sure you've seen it, but it inspires me a great deal. It's a movie about a young boy. He's a college age, 19, 20 years of age, and he's in a philosophy class. And the professor is an avowed atheist, and the professor wants all the students to not believe in God. If you've seen it, it's a really cool movie. And he basically says he tells all the students, you write on a piece of paper, God is dead. Well, this one young man wouldn't do it. And the rest of the plot of the movie is, is the professor gives him a platform to talk to the students to prove the existence of God, and the professor, of course, belittles him. But as the as this, as this scene kind of comes to an end, as the movie kind of comes to a close, uh, young the I think his name is Josh. Josh is like the, one, the defense attorney, and the professor's the prosecuting attorney, and all the students in the galley, they're the jury. Well, as, it, as they finish their arguments, it, it, it comes to a close. And Josh looks at the people, and, and Josh says, you decide, is God dead or is God alive? And one by one, those students begin to stand up, and they say, God's not dead. And I mean, before you know it, the whole crowd is there. Well, listen, I had tears in my eyes. It was very inspirational. But I thought, man, his girlfriend walked away from him because she didn't want him to lose his potential for law school. His parents discouraged him for doing it, but he had the courage to stand up and do something great for God. And I want to tell you, God wants you to do something great for him with his life. And it's, not, it, it, it's depending on our willingness, but secondly, on our willingness to hear the Holy Spirit and do what he says. And this is what happened right here. The gospel went westward, and it, and it filled all of Europe. Listen, friends, I don't know about you, but I want the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And as we look on the pages of Scripture, we see the Holy Spirit speaks in many ways. He speaks through spiritual gifts. For example, there's the gift of prophecy. There's a word of knowledge. There's a word of wisdom. He speaks in dreams and visions. He speaks certainly through quickening of the Scripture. When the written Logos becomes a rhema and it lives in our, in, in our lives, God speaks to us. But the key thing is when He speaks, we want to obey because there's significance on the other side. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of praise. Let me give you one more. Look at Acts uh, chapter 13. If you're quick on your fingers, you can go to Acts 1, 2. But the Holy Spirit wants to give us spiritual power to be witnesses for Christ. Spiritual power to be witnesses for Christ. You say, well, how do you know that, pastor? I'm glad you asked. You remember before the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Say this with me. And you will be my witnesses witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In other words, what Jesus said, you need more than just a good sermon. You need more than lights and screens and videos. You need the work of the Holy Spirit in what you're doing if you want to see transformation in people's lives. Let's read one example of this, Acts 13. And this is very graphic and strong. But the whole book of Acts is about willing believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit and they changed the world. Let me say that again. Willing believers filled with the Holy Spirit change the world. Acts chapter 13, Barnabas and Saul, known as Paul, were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Now, how many know it's great to do ministry, but you don't just leave on your own. They were sent out by the body of believers. They were prayer, had hands laid on them. There was prophecy. They're sent out by the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to the story. They sailed for the Isle of Cyprus. Cyprus is kind of like right here. More geography. More geography. They, uh, they sailed to the Isle of Cyprus, and I want you to listen to this. They reached Paphos, that was a city, where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus. Now let's get real with this. Here we have a man that's influenced by demonic activity. He's in a position of power, and he wants to... And he is influencing the government official. Now, this is something that's become so real to me in this corona crisis. Listen, there's a lot of evil out in the world. I believe when this started, there was a genuineness, of, that there was an expectation that this was a pandemic that could destroy millions of lives, and we needed to take some serious steps to do it. Now, we found out since that prediction that most of those early predictions were wrong, and in many cases, we were just lied to. And what we've seen now, now listen, how many know any death is bad? To have gone over 100,000, that's a terrible scourge. But listen, what we're seeing now across the world is we're seeing governments that want more power to be able to control people. It's easy now. This was almost like a trial run for the Antichrist when the Antichrist comes and takes the world and makes people do what we want to do. I was deeply disappointed in our Supreme Court this week. The head justice, John Roberts, Uh, he sided with the liberal group of the court that basically said the government's right to control uh, the church during the pandemic uh, trumps the role of the church's freedom to gather for religious freedom. The government trumps the First Amendment, basically is what our Supreme Court told us. Well, in a pandemic, maybe that works, but how about the next thing that comes around the pike? How How about something that is simply a matter of control and the government has more power? Now, I say all that, not just as an opinion to you, but to suggest to you there are people just like this false prophet that are trying to surround governors and presidents and decision makers and judges all around the world. Now, that person could have on a $2,000 suit and could have attended Harvard University and could have been a legal advisor. But Satan finds people that he wants to use to influence people in power. That's the scenario. Let's see what happens um, the governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him because he wanted to hear the word of God, but Elmas the sorcerer urged the governor to pay no attention. Don't you to say this with me? He was trying to keep the governor from believing. How many believe Satan tries to do the same thing today? Sure, he does. Satan tries to do the same thing to stop people from believing today. Now look at what happens. Verse nine. Paul. Here's the key phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul was submitted to the Holy Spirit, but Paul had something different about him. He had a dynamic. He was like plugged into the power source, and God gave him a word of knowledge. Now listen to this. He looked at the sorcerer in the eye, and he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good. Mind you now, the governor is standing right there too. The Lord has laid his hand of punishment on you, and you will be struck blind. Now, I'm not encouraging you to go to try and strike blind every person that's evil. Are you with me today? But I want you to see that good is coming against evil, and good is going to win. And good is going to win because believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. But evil pushes until the power of the Holy Spirit pushes back. Uh, lo and behold, the guy becomes blind. Instantly, darkness came, come over, came, over his, came over his eyes, and he began begging for someone to lead him. The governor saw what happened, and he became a believer because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, how I many can say, that's a true work of spiritual power, huh? Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand today. Yeah. So what we have what we have going on here is the power of the Holy Spirit and a believer on a mission from God confronted evil and won. And the result was the salvation of a soul. And here's what I want you to tell you today: the same Holy Spirit is alive today. The same Holy Spirit lives in you, and the same Holy Spirit lives in me. First Thessalonians chapter one says this: the gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with yeah, and So it was not just words, not just videos, not just lights, but there was power with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. And those last three phrases have some level of uh, similarity. Power, spirit, deep conviction. See, it's deep conviction that's needed that causes a sinner to become a saint. It's deep conviction that's needed that someone that's in rebellion against God for their heart to become soft and their hearts to turn to God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm a 19-year-old many, many years ago, and I'm just doing what my friends are doing. We're drinking beer, we're smoking, we're partying, we're having fun. But all of a sudden, that stuff doesn't satisfy me anymore, and this presence begins to come on me that I didn't understand. And for a number of weeks as a boy, when I was driving the tractor for my dad, I would weep like a baby in a soybean field, driving the tractor for no reason at all. I wasn't sick. I didn't feel bad. I didn't have psychiatric problems. The Spirit of God was coming on me in conviction. Someone was praying for me. You know who I think it was? I know it was my grandmother. I had a praying grandmother, but I also had a nanny when I grew up. Her name was Mary. Mary was an African American woman. I lived in rural Mississippi. I was raised in, I was born in the late 50s. So I was raised in an era of sharecroppers. But you know what? I wasn't taught to hate. My family didn't hate people that were of different color, and they didn't hate us. We were like family, and Mary was my nanny. And when I went to see Mary one time, and I told her that I was, I'd become a Christian, I was going in the ministry. Now think about this. She had diabetes and had both legs cut off, and she was sitting on a couch. She almost jumped out of that couch and said, Oh, my baby, my baby, I knew God had his hand on your life. Somebody was praying for me, and that deep conviction fell on my life and i said yes to Jesus, and I've never turned back. Well, my time's up today. But here's what I want to encourage you to do in these next few moments. We're going to have a closing song. But I want you on a personal level to talk to God. And I want you to say, Lord, I want you to reveal truth to me. I want you to help me live my life by what's right in God's eyes. I want you to reveal truth. Lord, I want you to supernaturally guide me. When I go about work when I walk through the hospital, wherever I am, I want you to supernaturally guide me. Help me avoid what's dangerous and what's evil, but get me in position to do something great for God. And God, could it be this last one, let the power of the Holy Spirit work in my life to change people around me. I'm on a mission from God. I'll close with this scripture and then we'll have a last song. The church today needs a fresh visitation from the Holy Spirit in uncertain times, just like the early church did. Let me read you a passage. And again, when we read the Bible, here's where the world misses it. The world just says, well, that's an ancient storybook. It's a history book. There is more validation and verification of ancient manuscripts for the Bible than any other document of ancient antiquity. Way more than Plato's Republic. Way more than than issues that had to do with the Romans. Way, way more in the Bible. So it's a recording of history. Now listen to what happened. Acts chapter 4, we'll close with this. Peter and John, apostles, followers of Jesus Christ, they uh, were going to the temple to pray. And as they were going to the temple to pray, there's a crippled man sitting there. And the guy looked at him and said, uh, asked for money, and Peter said this, I don't have any money. But what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. And Peter took him by the hand. It wasn't a lot of shenanigans. It wasn't of you know, it was was God. And he walked and he stood to his feet. And a crowd came up and more people come to Jesus. Well, the same Jews that killed Jesus flipped out. They went bananas. So they arrested Peter and John. Now think about this. Peter and John used to be in hiding. Now the Holy Spirit's come to them, and they're operating from a place in power. So let's see what happens. They let them out of jail. And it says, uh, as soon as they were freed, this is Acts 4, Peter and John returned to the other believers, and they lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now, if it was me, my first first, uh, uh, inclination would be, Lord, please don't let them come and arrest me. Lord, would you please stop those people that are going to try to hurt us? But that's not how they prayed. Listen to what they said. Stretch out your hand with healing power. Do it again, Lord. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus Christ. What were they doing? They were just, it's like like getting on a ride at the fairgrounds, you know? the seat is there, but you're not gonna, nothing's going to happen until you climb the steps and get on it and get yourself buckled in. What they were saying is, Lord, we want to get in that Ferris wheel with you. We want to go and do these things. And after that, the meeting place shook, and they were all what? Filled. I cannot fully tell you what that means. I understand what's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but the book of Ephesians tells us to be continually filled with the Spirit. The tense of that Greek verb suggests to be ye being filled, which means we're like cars. My wife told me yesterday, she said, honey, you've only got a quarter tank of gas. You've got to stop and get a fill-up. Well, how many know we need a Holy Ghost fill-up regularly? We need God's presence in our life to come to us and empower us so we go do the work of the ministry. Listen to this. And then what did they do? They preached the Word of God with great boldness. And that's what our mission is, Christian. Our mission is not just for God to help us have a happier, better life. That's a part of it. But our mission is out there in the world. And my prayer today is we go out in the world to do the work of God. This is Pentecost Sunday. I would even encourage you, maybe you want to go grab a bite of lunch today like we'll do. But then come back. We've had people praying all day. Started at 7 this morning. It'll go through 7 at night. They've been praying upstairs this morning. Uh, uh, start at, when this service is over, that door will be open and people will just come in. We'll have different people that lead it. Some will stay five minutes. Some stay 15 minutes, an hour. But people are coming. And you know what we're coming to pray for? We're not, we're not praying for the coronavirus today. Today we're praying for God to pour out his spirit yeah. on the nations of the world. You might want to join us. Praise the Lord. Thank God. I want you to stand to your feet today. As our worship team comes back, we're going to worship together with a song. Let me tell you how we're going to close today. At the end of our service, when it's time to dismiss, we'll open all four sanctuary doors. And I want to ask you, do your best to kind of, you know, get a little space between you and the the next person as you go out. Uh, If you want to stay in fellowship, you can fellowship outside as long as you like. But uh, if you want prayer, we're going to sing a song now, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll dismiss. But if you want prayer after the dismissal, I want to encourage you to just sit down in your chair. And our prayer team will come to you. Uh, Our prayer team, listen, would love to pray for you. If you would like for them to place their hand on you, they'll do that. If you're uncomfortable, you just tell them and they won't. But we believe in that biblical practice. But I'm going to ask that our prayer team come to the front right now. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got some real needs in my life. Prayer team, come on up to the front and just stand up front. Maybe you're here, you got some real needs in your life. Maybe you people that you love and care about. They have some problems. They have some struggles. Whatever it may be, we'll pray for you. But the most important thing we'd like to pray for today is maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm just away from God. I don't know how I got here, but I'm away from God. And maybe in this service today, you've just been feeling God. Kind of tugging at your heart. Let me tell you what the devil does when the devil reminds you of sin. All the devil does is he wants to make you feel bad. The devil will even say things like, you've been so bad you don't even deserve to come to church. That's not God. What Jesus does is he draws us. He didn't approve of our sin. It was our sin that sent him to the cross. But what he does is through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's like he's calling us to Him. That's what was happening to me when I was 19. I didn't know it was happening. But I was in a summer, 19 years of age, I'd drive the tractor for my dad. I worked on a farm. I was by myself, I think this, 19 years old, by myself most of the day. Granddaddy would bring me lunch. I hate to say this, but I'll say it. I'd light up a little bit in the morning, make the morning go a little better. After lunch, I'd light up a little bit more again. And after work was over, I'd light up a little more again. You say, "Why are you telling me that?" Because it's truth. Because we try to hide our pain. We try to escape from it. We try to mask it. Some people try to hide their pain with money and things. Some people go after sex. Some people go after success, but we're all looking for something to fill the God-shaped void in our heart that can only be filled when we surrender our life to Christ. and Maybe right now you feel like I'm talking to you. Well, let me tell you what that is. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit speaking through me, drawing you to Jesus. You say, what does that mean to draw me to Jesus, Pastor? Well, it goes something like this. If that cross represents Jesus Christ and what He did, all of us are living our life this way. Some of us are pretty bad and evil in what we do some of us are pretty you know good nice people but bottom line is we're going our own way doing our own thing we get in trouble we look at God and say help us and when he does we keep going but to be a Christian is to turn around is to come before God and you literally don't have to kneel but I'll kneel to show humility you come to Jesus Christ and say Lord I've sinned and I want to ask you to forgive me I want to commit my life to follow you the rest of my days. And if you'll take that step in prayer, I promise you, Jesus will change your life. Because there's not one of us in here that's too bad or has done anything so bad that Jesus can't forgive. Isn't that wonderful? So I'm going to ask you, if you feel like I've been talking to you the last minute and you want to get your life right with God, when people start dismissing, you just stay in your chair. Or you could even come up and talk to one of our pastors. Actually, Pastor Travis is up here. If you want to commit your life to Jesus, come talk to Pastor Travis. We'd be honored to pray with you. Let's go ahead and sing this last song together. Exactly. Reach your hands out to heaven with me today. Let's sing it together. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. As they keep playing, I want you to pray right where you are, and I want you to say, "Holy Spirit, lead me into truth." Just pray that right now. Holy Spirit, lead me into truth. Lord, help my life and my, help my life line up with the truth of Your Word. Pray this big one, Holy Spirit, guide me. I want today, for the rest of my life, I want You to guide me, show me the pathway I'm supposed to walk in life supernaturally. In this last one, Lord, we ask you to fill us all with your Holy Spirit today so we can have power to be witnesses for Christ. Do this in a moment, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Let your glory just shine upon us today, we pray. Just slip your hands to heaven. And say, Lord, I want to be filled every day of my life. I don't want my tank to run on empty as a Christian. I want to be filled with the Spirit every day so I can do the works you've called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hey, listen, wonderful to have you today. Of course, Wednesday night we're doing our live stream still and uh, we want you to be a part of that and pretty soon we'll be doing it all live and everything just like it was. But all the doors are being opened during this song, feel free to dismiss yourself. If you have your offering or your tithe or a visitor's card, uh, they'll have a bucket at the door. Just drop it in it. We're very grateful for that. But otherwise, you're free to be dismissed in this last song and if you want prayer, just remain seated and someone will come to you. I love you. Thanks for being here.